This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Thanks for being here once again. Yeah, the Jackie Robinson edition. It is Jackie Robinson Day in Major League Baseball, and we are definitely going to celebrate it here on the podcast. This is going to be a very fun podcast. First, we'll talk about the series coming up with the New York Yankees, an off day yesterday. The Mariners, of course, riding high on the way to New York after the game winner by Day Lee. So we'll take a look at the pitching matchups. Get you ready for this weekend, and then we're going to spend a lot of time in this podcast celebrating Jackie Robinson. One of my favorite days in baseball all season long, and I just absolutely love this day. So this is going to be a fun celebration for me. I hope you enjoy it. There's a lot of unique sound that I think you will have fun hearing. And some of you that have listened to the podcast in the past, you've heard some of this, but there's also some new stuff as well. But it's really a who's who. You're going to hear from Jackie Robinson coming up. We'll hear from his Hall of Fame speech and a couple other speeches he gave along the way. We'll hear from his daughter, Sharon Robinson. I had a chance to talk to her a couple of years ago. That's going to come up. Buck O'Neill, we'll hear what he had to say about the great Jackie Robinson. Shannon Dreher had a great conversation with Ken Griffey Jr. a couple of years ago about the significance of Jackie Robinson. And really, it's Ken Griffey Jr. that helped shape today. So we'll hear about that as well. Aaron Goldsmith talked to Vin Scully last year on Jackie Robinson Day. It's fantastic. First-hand Jackie Robinson stories from Vin Scully, and he tells an absolute classic. It's just sensational. So that comes up as well. A couple of highlights mixed in, some play-by-play as well. Just a celebration of Jackie Robinson and what he means, not only to the game of baseball, but to the country as well. I'm a firm believer in the power of sports, not only to bring people together, but also be a vehicle to make life better, life outside of sports. And there is no bigger example of that than Jackie Robinson. I mean, sports can have that impact in small ways every single day and everyone's lives but Jackie Robinson such a major impact an impact that it's hard to even measure and put your arms around what he did for not only baseball 
but the entire country. So we're going to celebrate Jackie Robinson here on Jackie Robinson Day. Everyone will wear the number 42 on their backs as the Mariners in New York to take on the New York Yankees for the first of three. And I am really looking forward to this series. First of all, the pitching matchups are going to be outstanding. First pitch tonight, 405 from Yankee Stadium as the Mariners take on the Yankees. Nathan Carnes will take the ball in game one of the series. And Carnes, of course, pitched for Tampa last year, very familiar with Yankee Stadium. He pitched there twice last year. And the last time he set foot in Yankee Stadium, he struck out 10 batters. Last year on the 4th of July, seven innings of five-hit ball, gave up a couple of runs, and fanned 10 hitters all on 113 pitches He'd love to get a repeat of that. Saturday is going to be an epic matchup in the Bronx as Felix Hernandez will take the hill, and it's always a showstopper when the King takes the mound in New York. He has absolutely dominated at times over the years in New York, particularly at that stadium. 10.05 first pitch uh, on Saturday. You can have breakfast with the Mariners as the King takes the mound. And this is a pretty interesting matchup. Here's a fun fact for you. The King is going to take on CC Sabathia. If you look at active strikeout leaders in Major League Baseball right now, you would find CC Sabathia on the very top of the list. He's got the most strikeouts of all active pitchers in baseball, 2,577 at the age of 35. Bartolo Colon is second on the list. At age 43, 2,245. And Felix Hernandez, who just turned 30, is already third in active strikeouts in baseball, 2,158. So first and third on the active strikeout list will go at it on Saturday in New York. So that should be a fun matchup. And then on Sunday is going to be a great one as well. This one is going to get a lot of attention for good reason. It's Iwakuma against Tanaka on Sunday. That's going to be an excellent matchup, 10.05 first pitch on Sunday. So that gets you ready for what should be a very fun weekend in New York. Mariners, of course, hoping to get these sticks going as well, but lines up to be some pretty fun pitching matchups. And tonight, of course, is going to be a lot of fun as the Mariners and the rest of baseball will celebrate Jackie Robinson Day. So let's start with this. Let's hear from Jackie Robinson right off the bat. We're going to hear from his Hall of Fame speech. He's introduced by Ford C. Frick, who spent a lifetime in baseball. He was a sports writer, eventually would become the commissioner of Major League Baseball from 1951 to 1965. So he introduces Jackie Robinson. Next man I want to introduce to you is one of the Later players elected by the Baseball Writers Association. This particular man established a terrific record in baseball. He could hit, he could run, he could field, he could throw, he could think. More important than all that, he was always a fierce and a hard competitor. His plaque, I think, tells a story without any remarks by me. He played with the Brooklyn National League Club from 1947 to 1956. He led the National League in hitting in 1949. 
He holds the fielding mark for second baseman, playing in 150 or more games with a percentage of 992. He led the National League in stolen bases in 1947 and 1949. He was adjudged the most valuable player in the National League in 1949. He had a lifetime batting average of 311. He a joint record holder for the most double plays by second baseman, making 100, participating in 137 in 1951. He led the second baseman in double plays over a period of several years. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to you the new member of the Hall of Fame, Jackie Robinson. Thank you very much, Mr. Frick. First, let me say how much of a thrill it is to be coming into the Hall of Fame with Bob Feller, Mr. McKechnie, and Mr. Rouse. I want to also let you know that I feel quite inadequate here this afternoon, or this morning, but I think a lot of this has been eliminated because today it seems that everything is complete. First of all, I want you to know that this honor that was brought upon me here could not have happened without the great work and the advice and guidance that I've had from three of the most wonderful people that I know. And if either of them weren't here today, I know that this day could not be complete. But they're all here, and I, I just hope you don't mind if I just pay a, a word of thanks and a, a tribute to my advisor and a wonderful friend, a man who I considered a father, Mr. Branch Rickey. And my mother, who taught me so much of the important things early in life, I appreciate no end. My mother, Mrs. Robinson. And, and, and lastly, ladies and gentlemen, my wife, who has been such a wonderful inspiration to me and the person who has guided and advised me throughout our entire marriage. I, I couldn't have been here today without her help. And then I... In sitting down, I must thank the baseball writers. I never thought at all that I would have this wonderful honor coming to me so early in my lifetime. And to have the writers to elect me on the first time is a thrill that I shall never forget. We have been up in cloud nine since the election. I don't ever think I'll come down. But I want to thank all of the people throughout this country who were just so wonderful during those trying days. I appreciate it no end. It's the greatest honor any person could have. And I only hope that I'll be able to live up to this tremendously fine honor. It's, it's something that I think those of us who are fortunate again must use in order to help others because it's such a tremendous honor that we should be able to go out and do things to help. I'm just grateful and I'm sorry for taking so long, but I just wanted you to know I appreciate it so much. Thank you. That's just sensational. Now, last year, the Mariners played the Dodgers in L.A. on Jackie Robinson Day. So fitting. Aaron Goldsmith, a chance to talk to Vin Scully, who, of course, was the play-by-play -play announcer when Jackie Robinson and Pee Wee Reese were the double-play combination for the Dodgers. He tells some great tales. 
and he has a fantastic story in particular. Here's Aaron Goldsmith with the great Vin Scully. Vin, this day every year is a special day for everybody involved in baseball, but it must be even more special for you. What are your emotions like on the 15th of April every season? Well, because I go back so far with the ball club, because I knew Jackie reasonably well, I also am thrilled when Rachel shows up because I have nothing but the best and highest regard for her. Uh, so it brings back the memory not only of Jackie, but what happens is it brings back the memory of all those other players who played with him and against him. Uh, I first met him in spring training of 1950, so he'd already been up a couple of years. And the first road trip, actually the end of the spring training, we left Vero Beach to go to New York by way of Texas. So that's quite a trip. And uh, we lived on trains and would uh, get to a hotel to take a shower and move on. And it brought the team together. And probably one of the, the great things that happened to Jackie and for Jackie was the thought that uh, Mr. Ricky had about Vero Beach. Vero Beach was a former naval air station, and the Dodgers were able to lease it for a dollar a year from the government. And the best part about it was uh, for those black players who eventually came into the organization, there was nowhere to go. Uh, the only, they couldn't go to any of the cities really in, in and around Vero Beach except for one small town called Gifford. And it was a black city, really, a black community, mostly all black people who worked in the area. So the only, were, only place a, a black Dodger could go would be to Gifford. And there wasn't anything there. There was a pool hall there, I know that. And I know some <laughs> of them shot pool. But that's about all they had. The positive about that was being restricted on campus, so to speak, uh, brought us all together, much more so than it would be today. Today, they'd be gone as soon as practice is over. But living in Vero Beach at Dodger Town, you had to amuse yourself with others. And that brought Jackie very close to all of his teammates, along with Roy Campanella and Don Newcomb. I can remember as a kid broadcaster after dinner, sitting outside the dining room, and Roy Campanella would sit on a little wooden bench. It, we eventually had a sign uh, Campy's bullpen. And Campy would sit and tell stories, and uh, the rest of us would sit around and ask him, and he would talk about the, the so-called, in those days, Negro Leagues, and Roy would talk about playing three games in three different cities in one day. But the point of it is it brought us so much closer together, and I think it eased Jackie's uh, entry into organized ball, or at least the majors. On the broadcast tonight, Dodgers fans will be able to hear you talk about countless stories about Jackie Robinson. What is your favorite Jackie Robinson story? Well, I'm not sure if it's my favorite, but it's certainly appropriate for tonight. Uh, we were on the road in Cincinnati many, many years ago in the very early 50s. And uh, although Jackie had received threatening mail of sorts, uh, the one when we were going to Cincinnati was taken very, very seriously. 
and there was a tremendous police presence on the rooftops of the ballpark, on the roof of the uh, old laundry, which was back a left field, on the roof of the post office, which was down the right field line. They were everywhere. It was that serious. And uh, before the game, they had the usual team meeting, but there was a lot of tension in the air. We were all aware of the possible threat. And uh, while all the players sat there with the coach and the managers, everybody, uh, we had a left fielder named Gene Hermansky, who was from Brooklyn. Big, blonde, good-natured, happy-go-lucky guy. And the room was pretty quiet. And all of a sudden, Hermansky said, I've got it. And everybody kind of straightened up and looked at him and said, what? And Gene said, we'll all wear number 42, and nobody will know which one is Jackie. Well, it broke up the room. It broke the tension. And little did we know that Gene's suggestion would eventually come to pass because tonight, like Gene said, everybody will wear number 42. And I think that's probably my favorite story. That's a wonderful story. Vin, you're such a gentleman with your time. We appreciate it so much. And you're such a gentleman. You won't let me call you Mr. Scully. So with that in mind, Vin, thank you for your time. It's been an absolute honor. Aaron, thank you very much for the privilege of talking to the good folks up in Seattle. Now, back-to-back right here, I'm going to play a conversation I had with Sharon Robinson a few years ago, Jackie Robinson's daughter, and she will talk about the impact that Ken Griffey Jr. had. And for those that don't know the story, it was really Ken Griffey Jr. that elevated Jackie Robinson Day to what it is today in terms of number 42 worn by every player. Sharon Robinson will talk about that, and then right after you'll hear Shannon Dreher talk to Ken Griffey Jr. about that and what Jackie Robinson meant to him. We have a very special guest with us, Sharon Robinson, the daughter of Jackie Robinson, taking time to join us here. Now you're here with Breaking Barriers, a program that you helped develop along with Major League Baseball. Tell us about Breaking Barriers. It's a program that's in schools all across the country, and it it, uh, teaches kids that barriers or obstacles are a part of life. We give them my dad's story, and then they ultimately tell their own story through a national essay contest. So I'm here today with McCray Leith, who is one of our nine national winners for grades four through eight. And so he and his family came down for the special pregame ceremony. How uplifting is it to go all over the country to different ballparks, read different stories, meet these children? How much fun is it? Uh, it it's you know, a labor of love. Uh, I, this is my 16th year, and I actually go into their classrooms and their schools and really get to spend a day with them and then bring them over to the ballpark. So it's all, And we bring them laptops and books for their whole class and T-shirts. So it's a, it's a wonderful program. And the kids all have to talk about a barrier obstacle they've had to overcome and talk about how they're using one or nine of my dad's values to get to that next level so it's a wonderful program and it's really just one of the many ways that you along with major league baseball help carry on the legacy of your father just a couple of weeks ago you you look at every baseball game and everyone's wearing the number 42 that was a great day yes uh, my mother and i were with the yankees so i spent the day out in the community and then the game that night uh, we had the rbi clinic and all kinds of activities out in the community but um it's, it's really exciting you know it was ken griffey jr who actually initiated wearing uh, a player wearing number 42 on jackie robinson day and now they all do and it's we love it my family loves it it's a great honor to my father and how special is it to share it with a new generation of kids learning about his story for the first time? Yeah, you know, I, I, when I came to baseball, I said, well, what I do with children is I, I talk about my dad's character because I feel like it's something, a part of him that they can take and 
you know, and bring into their own lives. And I'm, I'm so happy that that's what uh, Breaking Barriers does. Is I, I tell kids, you know, that, yes, he was a great baseball player, a great athlete, but it was his strength of character that, that helped him to perform in spite of the pressure. Visiting with Sharon Robinson, daughter of Jackie Robinson. Now, you do a lot of writing as well. Tell us about some of your writing that you do uh, about your father in particular. Well, I'm a, a children's book author primarily. I've written two adult books, but I write uh, both fiction and nonfiction. And my fiction books are characters that are also overcoming some kind of obstacle in life. Safe and Home is moved into a, um, Harlem after his dad dies and slam dunk. He's soaring. He's running for office and it's competitive and it's, it's fun. Um, so, And then I write books about my father as well, and I've uh, done for different age groups. Um, so right now I'm working on a, another novel, which is taking me a, a, way too long, so I don't <laughs> like to talk about it. <laughs> well, you must hear stories from how much your father's impacted the lives of so many people and inspiring so many people. I do, um, and it's all generations. And, of course, you know, the older ones that were actually there at Ebbets Field are, have the strongest connection. But they had um, sons and daughters and nephews and nieces, so you hear that generation saying what my father told me or I went to the game with my father or grandfather or whatever. So, um, And now this new generation, they study Jackie Robinson as part of National History Day. Um, they, they've been uh, – so we do – my mother and I do all kinds of uh, telephone converse, conferences with kids just talking talking about Jackie Robinson, and they prepare their boards and go to nationals, and they let me know whether they win or not. So it, it is really exciting to think that 65 years later, children today are studying my father and, and get it. They understand and they understand what how strong his character was. Yeah, it certainly transcends baseball. Yes, it is. And, and much bigger than just a game. Mm-hmm. That's right. Sharon Robinson, thank you so much for the visit. We certainly appreciate your time. Thank uh, you. Thank you. My pleasure. New York 6, Brooklyn 1, last the 4th. Robinson stands deep in the batter's box, just a little way away from the plate. Thrashes delivery, curve, swung on, hit right back through the middle, out over second in the center for a base hit. Joe DiMaggio comes in, scoops the ball up off the green carpet, throws in the second to Rizzuto, and Robinson holds on at first with a single to center. There was a curve ball he hit, and he was just waiting for it. Hit it right back through the middle. You have certain guys who, who have changed the world, and, and he was one of them. You, know, you look at the draft and where kids are coming from, and... and you know, free agency from all over the world um, to get opportunity to play baseball. And that would have never happened if he wouldn't have been as strong as he was to to not fight and do the things that uh, were necessary for for everybody to basically reap the benefits of of what he did. How did you first hear of him? I'm fortunate that uh, I've got guys who were always in my house, Brooks Lawrence, Chuck Harmon Sr., that were big influences on, on teaching the game of baseball and, and what the guys did before they started playing and listening to the guys talk about the barnstorming and you know being in, in uh, buses and hanging the the pants out the window washing them that way and letting them dry mm-hmm. you know driving you know up north down south to 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 play in the winter time to make money you know, I just remember looking at my dad talk about, that don't exist now. And he goes, no, and this is the reason why it doesn't exist. But at age 12, you don't really fully understand uh, the magnitude of what these guys had to go through just to play the game that they love. You know, made it a lot easier for guys like me to just go out there and play baseball and not have to worry about everything else. I've had the opportunity to talk to I've talked to Tommy Davis. I've talked to Don Newcomb, of course. And the stories that they tell and the graciousness that they tell it 
with? I mean, obviously it was a very hard time, but uh, they seem like incredible people. Tell us a little bit about the guys that you were talking about as people. You look at Chuck Harmon, who is the first African-American pitcher for the Reds, player for the Reds. And then you have Brooke Lawrence who came in, um, Joe Black, who if you talk about Joe Black, I mean, that everybody's eyes light up. Uh, Buck O'Neill. I mean, all these guys were like uncles to me growing up. You know, you very seldom listen to your dad, but, you know, when you have guys who, you know, who tell stories and, you know, who are great storytellers and you're sitting there like, oh, that really happened. They were great storytellers and kept you interested. And I think that's what, you know, some of the kids need to, to hear of what, you know, these guys went through. And they'll appreciate things and start to really focus on, okay, I really want to do this. I really want to play baseball because of these guys. And, you know, I think that's what we're missing now is guys who were able to, to come into these locker rooms who played for these organizations and, and talk to the young guys, talk to the minor league guys, talk to high school kids to get these kids to understand that this world has changed and you can be a part of it and move it forward or you could just stay still and do nothing. You know, your generation is going to change the world. So, you know, you got to be a part of it and you got to be a positive role model in the community and stuff like that. You've got 25 guys out there wearing Mariners uniforms with number 42 on it. What do you want them to take away from today? That the man that we are honoring did everything he could so we can go out there and play this game and not have the racial tension that he had to go through. Him dying at a very early age because of stress and everything else, I think you know that took a toll on him, and that's why he passed away early. And what his family has done over the last 40, 50 years has been been unbelievable. I mean, to, to make sure he stays relevant, which he's going to stay relevant as long as there's guys like me that understand what he did and what he had to go through. Now, I may not really understand what he had to go through, but I had family and stuff who, who were there that tell me. But I'm going to make sure that, you know, when they talk about somebody, it's going to be him. It's been a great thing to see, and it's been great that you've been such a huge part of it. Thank you, Ken. Thank you. Just fantastic with Ken Griffey Jr. and Shannon Dreher. And speaking of fantastic, how about the great Buck O'Neill talking about the impact of Jackie Robinson? See, Jackie was different than we were. See, we were acclimated to segregation, but not Jackie Robinson. We'd been going to a filling station in Oklahoma for 20 years. We'd never gone to the restroom because the sign on the door said, white men only. We played in that town. They played in that town that night. The next morning, we got they get up, go to the filling station. The man comes out, put the hose in the tank, say, you boys played a great game last night. You filled up the ballpark and put on a great show. Jackie gets off the bus and started to the restroom. The man said, boy, where you going? I'm going to the restroom. Boy, you know you can't go to that restroom. Jackie said, take the hose out of the tank. Now, the man thought, we got a 50-gallon tank on this side and a 50-gallon tank on that side. He's not going to sell that much gas to one customer until we got back there again. You know what he said? You boys go to the restroom, but don't stay long. See? But the gist of that story is this. From that day on, the Monarchs never got gas at the station. They couldn't go to the restroom. They never played in the town. Didn't have a place for them to sleep, a place for them to eat. Jackie said, this is a capitalistic society. You're making money for these people. You don't have to put up with this. This is what Jackie did. And I tell you what, see, Jackie wasn't the best ball player we had. 
That time, Jackie was the right guy, though. Well, Quinn, see, when Branch Rickey signed Jackie Robinson to that major league contract, that was the beginning of the modern-day civil rights movement. That was before Brown versus the Board of Education. Yeah, that was before Sister Rosa Parks said, I'm tired, I'm not going to the back of the bus today. Martin Luther King was a sophomore at Mohawk at the time. So that really started the ball a-rolling when they signed Jackie Robinson, an outstanding human being and a great athlete. Robinson waits. Here comes the pitch. And there goes a line drive to left field. Swan is after it. He leaps the over his head against the wall. Here comes Gilliam scoring. Brooklyn wins. Congratulated as he lined one out to left field. Squatter leaped for the ball. It was over his outstretched glove out up against that left field wall. The great Buck O'Neill. And here's a quick snippet from an interview that Jackie Robinson gave. I think my main ambition was to uh, to get along well enough with whoever I was playing with so that they would realize that uh, there wasn't any, any friction because I was calling they were white. I mean, we could play together. I think that was my main ambition was to break down that barrier, not so much to, for me to go to the major leagues. I just wanted somebody to go. I didn't care who it was. Now I'm going to play for you World Series in 1972. Game two at Riverfront Stadium between the A's and the Reds. Jackie Robinson was invited to throw out the first pitch in Cincinnati, game two, and he spoke on the field before the game. This is what he had to say. Thank you very much, Commissioner. I would just like to say that I was really just the spoke in the wheel of the success that we had some 25 years ago. I would like to also say that I would be a real, real pleasure if Mr. Ricky could have been here with us today, but to the members of the family, my entire love and gratitude for the things that he's done over the years. And I also want to say how pleased I am that my family can be here this afternoon and to thank baseball for the tremendous uh, opportunities that it has presented to me and also for this thrilling afternoon. I'm extremely proud and pleased to be here this afternoon, but must admit I'm going to be tremendously more pleased and more proud when I look at that third base coaching line one day and see a black face managing in baseball. Thank you very much. And there he was on the field, even then in 1972, still fighting the fight. At that point, there had been no black managers in Major League Baseball, even 25 years after he started playing Major League Baseball. That wouldn't happen until a few years later. Frank Robinson became the first black manager in Major League Baseball. He actually became a player manager two years later in 1975. Cleveland traded for Frank Robinson and then made him player manager. And then his very first ball game, his very first at bat as player manager, he, of course, he hit a home run. He would manage for Cleveland for two years, the San Francisco Giants, Baltimore, and then Montreal and Washington from 2002 to 2006. He became the first black American League manager and first black National League manager as well. But 
Jackie Robinson never lived to see that day. It was only a handful of days later after those words at Riverfront Stadium on October 15, 1972, Jackie Robinson would pass away due to a heart attack. It was nine days later, October 24, 1972, nine days after the appearance at the World Series, Jackie Robinson died of a heart attack at his home in Connecticut. And now I'll play for you some words from Jackie Robinson and then the Reverend Jesse Jackson at the service for Jackie Robinson after he passed away. As an American, this meant a important step forward as far as I was concerned. I felt that it was finally the, the elimination of one of the bigger challenges that most Americans had to face. I felt real good as an American, much more so than as being the first Negro in organized baseball. Today we must balance the tears of sorrow with the tears of joy. Mix the bitter with the sweet, death and life. Jackie as a figure in history was a rock in the water creating concentric circles and ripples of new possibility. He was medicine. He was immunized by God from catching the diseases that he fought. The Lord's arms of protection enabled him to go through dangers seen and unseen, and he had the capacity to wear glory with grace. Jackie's body was a temple of God, an instrument of peace. We would watch him disappear into nothingness and stand back as spectators and watch the suffering from afar. The mercy of God intercepted this process Tuesday and permitted him to steal away home where referees are out of place and only the supreme judge of the universe speaks. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 